Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Welcome everybody to our Bible class this morning. Uh, continue on with our uh, glance through important Old Testament lessons. Um, we're nearing the end of Genesis. I think this brings us to the end of Genesis. I think next week we'll jump into the Exodus. Um, but over these, there's, there's three sets of 14 lessons. And that will cover the major stories in the Old Testament. So, before we begin, let's open with a word of prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, you have caused all of the Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning and instruction. By your Holy Spirit, may you help us to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, so that by the patience and comfort offered by your Holy Word, we can embrace and cling to the hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right, so... Last week, we began to talk about Joseph, uh, and this this week, we continue the story. Um, So where we left off last week, uh, Joseph has been made um, uh, the minister of agriculture, we said. (laughs) Um, uh, He's been made the minister of agriculture, and he has um, been placed, and there have been seven years of... Good times, uh, and, and as we pick up in our text, we're in the seven lean years. Uh, but the central truth, the, the, the big message that we want to get across here is God forgives us, and then God helps us to forgive others. And so the goal is that I can describe what prompted Joseph to forgive And relate that to how God calls me to forgive others. And the Bible verse uh, that highlights this is, Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Alright, so our opening reflection here, something to break the ice and get you people talking... Um, is uh, consider a time when in your life when a problem just worked out itself out without your help. What one was it and how did you feel? And problems just, something just worked itself out. Like things do work themselves out, but not always. Maybe uh, the example given uh, here is maybe you missed an appointment, and you were worried that you missed the appointment, only to find out that the appointment had actually been canceled. Right? It it worked itself out. What do you? Can you think of anything like that? Sometimes 
We, we, um, or maybe um, the other option they, they give is maybe you had um, some sort of ailment that you, you never thought would go away and, and lo and behold, it went away. And, and, or, it, or it turned out to not be an issue. Um, I got a story if you want it. So my son Jared landed in Chicago because the weather in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to figure out how to get back to Stratford. We're looking at bus times. And he's going, well, Dad, the bus doesn't. And I'm in Eastern, he's in Central. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at times. And I said, Jared, there's a bus that leaves at like, uh, and it's like uh, 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock my time. And I said, a bus just left there at 12 o'clock. And then I, go, I said, hold it. It's only 11 where you are, isn't it? Yeah, I said you got an hour to catch this bus, <laughs> so it sort of worked itself. Right. Right. Okay. So the the point of, of of that question is that we'll see how how God begins to work out his threat his his plan through the broken circumstances of Jacob's family. Um, and we're going to see um, there's a, a confrontation, so to speak, between Jake, uh, Joseph and the brothers who sold him, sold him into slavery. Uh, so we're going to start our reading here. I'll, I'll begin a, us, and, and I'll read 42, 1 through 11. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there, that we may live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin. Joseph's brother with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy uh, among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from? He said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, no, my lord. This is my lucky seat. That is your lucky seat. Okay. Um, this is the right hand. Yeah, the, <laughs> one at my right and one at my left. That's right. Well, I don't know whether Which one's the robber? That's right. Probably this guy. All right. Uh, continuing at verse uh, uh, 9b. Yeah. 
they, oh yeah, 10. They said to him, no, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. All right. So, the first reflection question here on our text asks us to, um, which words or phrases from this text help you to understand the test that Joseph is about to give his brothers? So, we know Joseph's about to... Right, They're, he's playing tough. That's right, absolutely. Call them spies. He calls them. <laughs> he calls them spies. Um, back in the back in those days, um, yeah. But back in those days, uh, spies. Oh, here it is. Um, uh, the spies, um, traders and merchants, would have been commonly used as spies because they could move freely about the country. They had a, a, a legitimate excuse to go here and there. Um, and so... And they, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. So, so he calls them spies. Uh, what other phrases kind of start to give you the understanding of what Joseph's going to do? Right. And and uh, why didn't they recognize him? We talked about he it. Still young, yeah. He was still young when they sold him. And, oh, yep. He was clean shaven. Clean shaven, you know. Because don't forget. The, in, in Egyptian clothing. Egypt, yep. Just like a pharaoh. <laughs> yep, that's right. And, and what language is he, is he speaking? It's not said explicitly, but it. The, the, it, it you can, I would he's speaking Egyptian, so he took the time to learn it. Oh, probably in jail and and, and 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 with Potiphar and whatever. So he's speaking Egyptian, and he's speaking to them through an interpreter, even though, as we'll pick up, he he still remembers his Hebrew. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he's he's uh, playing the part. Um, how do they uh, do the? Uh, his brothers respond. Well, they deny any of the accusations. Accusations, right? Accusations that were, yeah. And what do they claim to be? His servants. His servants, honest men. You know, we're we're, we're honest men. And if Joseph was like me, I'd be thinking, sure you are, bunch of rascals. You sold me into slavery, and honest men. Um, you know, um, and don't forget where's uh, and we want to highlight where's Benjamin? Not there. Not there. Well, yeah. Well, why is Benjamin not there? He's the new favorite <laughs> because he's the only other son of Rachel. Rachel. Is Jacob thinking at this point that God's promise is going to come through Rachel, Jacob, and or Benjamin? Probably. Rather than. Joseph. Rather than Judah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Ju- yeah. 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 And it's obvious he doesn't want to put him at risk. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. In order to help guarantee that. Yeah. 
and, and, and so don't forget, why have they come all the way to Egypt? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a long journey food. They're desperate. It's bad. Bad times. Um, great. I think we've covered uh, most of that there. Let's uh, move on to the next section. That's 42, 12 to 28. Does somebody want to read that? Right. All right. He said to them, No, it is the weakness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, We, your servants, are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, Is it as I said to you, you are spies? By this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you, and let him bring your brother, while you remain in prison, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you, or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in prison for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this, and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined in your prison, and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households, and bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the distress of his soul when he besought us, and, when we, and we would not listen. Therefore, is this distress come upon us? And, Re and Reuben answered them, did I not tell you not to sin against the lad? But you would not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. Then he turned away from them and wept, and returned to them and spoke to them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. This was done for them. Then they loaded their asses with their grain and departed. And as one of them opened his sack to give his ass, to give his ass provender at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of his sack. And he said to his brothers, my money has been put back. Here it is in the mouth of the, my sack. At this, their hearts failed them. And they turned trembling to one another saying, what is this that God has done to us? <laughs> I like this scene. This is a fun scene. Um, I, I, think, I think God has a sense of humor with these guys. We'll, we'll, um, <laughs> the language. Um, We're on donkeys. That's right. Um, so identify passages here, or phrases that reveal the hearts of both Joseph and his brothers towards what happened 22 years before. So this is 22 years later. So, so let's... They started spewing off their mouth, probably the hills right off the bat, and revealed the beans about their younger brother. <laughs> yes, so... Maybe a little bit of guilt. There's, there's, yeah, there, the, what do they think is happening, those brothers? They're being punished. They're being punished. Though. By who? God. God, right? They think that, um, I, I love that, what, a, a rec, what is it, a reckoning? Where is that? 
Yep, there comes a reckoning for his blood. You know, this is... Um, and, and Reuben, it's interesting. Why does Reuben... Why is it important that Reuben says this? Because <laughs> he... He they, tried to defend Joseph. Yeah, and they sent him away, remember? And when he came back... The brother was gone. So he was Reuben's defender. He was the defender. And so he, uh, uh, do you think that they've had discussions? Uh, this is not, this is the first time they've had this discussion. No, no, this, this has been a sore spot amongst them probably for many decades. And so they're feeling guilty about it. Uh, absolutely. What about Joseph? What about Joseph? What, what's his, uh. What what is how, what can we discern about his attitude towards this? I think he's really grieving about uh, what's happened between him and his brothers. Yeah, yeah, the the, the breach of relationship. I think he's having fun too. Oh, <laughs> put the money back in there and what? Oh yeah. Um, but the fact that he turned away and wept. Yes. Tells you that he's feeling. Yeah. Really sad about the whole thing. Or maybe the opposite. Maybe he's really uh, feeling great that his brothers are there. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's missed his brothers. He hasn't yeah. seen them for 20-something years. Um, by the way, um, remember those dreams that he had. What happened to those dreams? They came true. They came true, right? Uh, so despite the fact that he was taking pride in them as a 17-year-old boy, they ended up coming true anyway. Um, he softens his stance against the brothers. Originally, it was nine of you stay, one of you go home. Right. And then he switches it around and says, okay, one of you stay, nine, nine of you go, go home. home. Yeah. That's right. Now, I want to talk briefly about verse 18 and a little phrase here. It says, Joseph says to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. Um, do you think it's surprising? Or let me. What's surprising about that statement? That an Egyptian believes in God. That an Egyptian fears God, right? Um, and then what's equally surprising that any, on top of that? His brothers didn't pick up on it. Their, his brothers didn't pick up on it. <laughs> Um, right? So that tells me one of two things, that they're just scared. Or um, it's not uncommon for other people of other nationalities to say, I fear, you know, I'll, I, I, I give your God some honor. Um, but what does it mean to fear God? I want to pause and talk about this for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, Think about your, your first commandment. What's the, what is the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, trust in God above all things. What does it mean to fear God? To have awe. To be awe. in wonder. Awe, wonder. Accept his authority. Accept his authority, okay. To acknowledge that he's the one true God. To acknowledge he's the one true God? Yeah. These are all, you guys are, are pretty close. So the, um, does fear God mean to be scared of him? Yeah. <laughs> a little. A little. Sort of. There's the potential of eternal damnation. <laughs> so when we use the word fear, we tend to refer to. We're not afraid of him. 
No. But we, what, we, what we tend to, when we use the word fear normally, we tend to think of an emotion of, of, of being scared or afraid of another person. Um, however, um, so when we say, I, I fear the law, what you're saying is, I'm, I'm afraid of being punished by it, and so I'm going to listen. Um, but, so, in theology, we, we give two types of fear. There's um, what we call servile fear and filial fear. So, servile fear. What do you think that is referring to? Punishment. Fear of punishment. Right? Okay. So, we talk about there's two types of fear. There's a fear of punishment. Who, um, who, might have, who might fear God in a servile way? Who might fear God in the sense of being afraid of his punishment? A sinner. A sinner? Sure. Satan? Satan? Sure. Um, I think you don't have to turn there, uh, if you, but I'm going to look up Proverbs 1, verse 7. Um, because this is a big theme in the Bible, and we have the time to talk about it. So we have this servile fear, and we have filial, filial fear. But Proverbs... That up, it just comes to me, James, I think it's James 2.19. Uh, do you believe there is a God good for the demons also? Fear. That's, yeah, that's right. Um, Proverbs 1 and 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge... Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Elsewhere, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, uh, is that you think that's referring to fear of punishment? Not really. Not really. Um, so filial fear. So we have two types of fear. I remember I said the servile fear, which we understand is fear of uh, being punished. And then you have filial fear. The word filial comes from um, brotherly. brotherly. Yeah, yeah. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Um, it's it's a familial fear. Now that's different. Um, Would that be like the uh, fear of offending or hurting their feelings? That's exactly it. One hundred percent. A fear of offending or hurting someone else's feelings because of your relationship that you're in, in with them. Um, uh, husbands and wives, you, are you fear your wife or your spouse in the sense that you do not want to do anything that will hurt your relationship with them. You don't want to disappoint them. You don't want them angry with you. And so you act a certain way towards them and you, re and you respond a certain way because of that. Does that make sense? Now, do we have, which one do we have? Filial fear or servile fear? Both. The Christian life starts out with a fear of punishment. And as you grow in the faith, it should move more and more towards a fear of God that is not based on punishment, but I'm based on the fact that he's your father. He's the one who loves you and protects you and, and, and saved you. And, 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 and you don't want to do anything that's going to disappoint him um, or make him angry. Um, in, in that sense. 
Um, and so the Christian life is, is, is a, a spectrum on that. And we should be growing towards less fear of punishment because we, then we realize Jesus has dealt with that issue. And, and that's not something we have to really worry about, theoretically. Um, so with that in mind, you have, so you have servile fear, the fear of punishment, filial fear, the fear uh, of breaking a relationship and ruining that relationship because you value it so highly. Now, let's take that and, and, and that understanding and bring it into here, into what Joseph says, that I fear God. What does that tell you about Joseph's, Joseph and, and God and how they relate to one another? Pretty close. Pretty close. They're on good terms. They're on good terms. What does Joseph value most in his life <laughs> his his relationship with God um, right so that's important to see um, and I and uh, as we we look at the main point the, uh, what this uh, text is trying to um, help us with here he is the second most powerful being in Egypt and he's showing a little humility yeah yeah but don't uh, you think that God really tested Joseph First he let his oh, yeah. brothers throw him in a pit. <laughs> then he let these people take him away to Egypt. Then mm -hmm. he was tested by the Pharaoh's wife. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it just goes on and on and on. And, right. you know, you have to respect Joseph saying, God, why are you doing this to me? What did I do to you? A hundred percent, you know, and, and, and yeah, we, we covered that a little bit last week, but that's, that is very, that, that's very much here. Um, he, you know, he spent 22 years of, of, of pain and suffering. And what's his, what is his reaction after 22 years of pain and suffering? What is his reaction towards God? He still, he still fears him. He still values breaking that relationship with God above anything else. And what's his relationship with his brothers? He still loves them. He's going in the corner and weeping for them. This is completely 120% the opposite direction from what we see in our culture. I'm going to get even. I'm going to get even, even more than that. These people did what to him? They sold him into slavery. And critical race theory says um, that white people have to continue to be punished for it, hundred, you know, two hundred years later, when none of us, neither our ancestors, to the fourth generation, had anything to do with slavery, and Joseph is looking at their hearts, and he still loves them. And you're going to see that Joseph wants. Joseph is testing them. Why? What is he trying to see? Any good in their hearts? <laughs> Any good in their hearts? He's trying to see if they have changed. You, do, is, is that a quality we see in the world? No. no. Never is the question asked, have we gotten better? Have we changed? What can we do to change? That's never. It's, would you know why? Because those are Christian values. And when you take, and only a Christian uh, and somebody with Christian biblical worldview will say, yes, I have done wrong. What can I do to make it better? And, and the other person will say, uh, we'll look at that and, and consider that. Um, and so when you're hearing um, 
And so this this is important. This is a this lesson is actually pretty difficult uh, in terms of its uh, in what is asking of us. Um, could you act if somebody sold you into slavery? Would you act and be acting the same way? Whew. That's or would there be a little just a tad bit of bitterness in your heart towards towards these guys? Well, if they didn't do it, they wouldn't be second in command in Egypt. Right, so he's seeing the... There's a positive side. There's a huge positive side. Yes, there is a positive side. But he could still... I mean, he was in prison for... That couldn't have been a... That couldn't have been a walk in the park either, right? Not that time in those prisons. No, no, no sanitation and, and you know, all, all that kind of stuff. A lot of people do tend to hold grudges till the day they die. Oh, yeah. And oh. certainly we're not seeing that here. Waste yeah. of energy. Yeah, and... and um, do you think that holding grudges is, can be a problem in churches? <laughs> no, heads nod. Yeah. And so, uh, so, so, um, and so th- th- this is a really applicable lesson to us in our lives because people do wrong by us all the time, don't they? Um, and, 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 um, and that's not even getting to thing into things like being sold into slavery. <laughs> um, it's a lot easier to forgive than it is to forget. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, so the rest of this chapter, it skips it, but I'm just going to summarize it here for you. So what happens next is they go back. Um, they go back um, and they come to jo- Jacob, their father. And Jacob's like, oh, first you take away Joseph. And now one of you is stuck back in Egypt, and now you want to give me, me to give up my favorite, my next favorite son. Uh, but then the famine gets so bad that they have to be sent back. So let's read forty-three eleven to thirty. So they, they return to Egypt. the The reason why we're jumping around is because this the story is just so big. It's it's like three long chapters. So 43, 11 to 30. Does somebody want to read that? I will. Okay. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry down to the man a present, a little balm and a little honey, gum, honey gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise, go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man that he may send back your other brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So the men took the present and they took double the money with them and Benjamin. And they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for for the men are to dine with me at noon. The man did as Joseph bade him and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house and they said, it is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us to make slaves of us and seize our asses. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door of the house and said, 
Oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food, and when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks, and there was every man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. So we have brought it again with us, and we have brought other money down into our hand to buy food. We in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. He replied, Rest assured, do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father must have put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them, and when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, and they had washed their feet, and when he had given their asses provender, they made ready the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present which they had with them, and bowed down to him to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare, and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? They said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and made obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph made haste, for his heart yearned for his brother, and he sought a, pl sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out. That's it. Yeah. Sounds like Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, from the 40s, or no, 40s, when is that? From the 1971, when that when, when the, that version until the ESV was made, they have decided that the word ass does not longer carry the connotation of donkey anymore. And so, <laughs> so they decided to change. change. So giggling confirmation. That's right. Yeah, especially the part of them getting seized. Yeah, exactly. So how does Joseph show care for his family here even while he's testing uh, them to see if they are truly sorry for what they did. They brought him to his house. Yeah. yeah. And and his house and... Yeah. Yeah, he, he yep. Uh, what else? Right, that, that's right. He sends a message of peace. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, what, what does he what does he do for them, in the sense that uh, they arrive to Egypt and, and what does he do? <laughs> he makes a meal for them. You know, you're, you're going and all you know, and, and when they hear, oh no, we're going to our, his house. <laughs> we're gonna get it. We're gonna get it. And they get there and they and they get the king's feast. You know. Uh, and what? Yeah, and what? What's included in this big feast? Meat. Meat. Yep. Starving. Sure. Uh, and and what else? He he provides them. He he washes their feet. What does that mean? What does that? He, uh, he doesn't do it. He makes sure their feet are washed. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um. He's providing for his family. He's showing them hospitality. He's going above and beyond what, what, what you'd almost expect a, a minister of agriculture to, to be doing for some people buying grain. You know, you, what would you expect? They, they were expecting, we'll go, we'll 
pay them a little money, we'll get some grain, we'll go home. Instead, they get this big meal. I bet you they're kind of like afraid. afraid. Yeah. What, what is what going is on? Um, he's doing exactly, he's doing to them exactly what they did to him. Scare the crap out of them. <laughs> good things come. That's Scare right. the crap out of them. Good things come. That, that, that's a good, that's a really good point. Yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> um, all right. So, and let's uh, um, keep going. Do you have the time? Okay. Good. Um, the next uh, section here, 45, 1 through 15. Maybe I'll read that one. And, uh, we'll... Then Joseph could not control himself uh, before all those who stood with him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to pre preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all the house of all, all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. And you shall be near me, and you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and uh, your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of your brother Benjamin, uh, my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. And they, he kissed his brothers and wept uh, upon them. Uh, after that, his brothers talked with him. So what ultimately prompted Joseph to forgive his brothers? And what can we learn from his example? He took it as God's plan. He took it as God's plan. Yeah. He accepted that. Yeah. Yep. God had led him and put him into that position. Um, so that brings up an issue with me. Okay. <laughs> Straighten me out here. Did God cause the sinful actions of his brothers? No. Or did God simply use the sinful action of his brothers? Yeah. Because what Joseph is saying is that it was God that turned me into the pit, not you. Right. But 
That's yeah. where I got that. Yeah, so, um, so this, boy, you, you've, you saw the little, the little piece of ice sticking out of the water. And, and b- but below it, there's this gigantic <laughs> iceberg of, of, of a theological problem. Um, so nothing can happen in the universe that God does not know about, right? God knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything that's going to happen. Right? So not only does um, God know that everything is going to happen, um, um, but also God is not responsible for the sinful things that happen. The sinful things that happen are the responsibility of those who've done them. However, God knew they were going to do it. He knew what the outcome was going to be. And he can use that um, to better his purpose, to, to bring his purpose. And so those things, um, those things that happen because people did them that God's not immediately directly respond, responsible for, we call those secondary causes, right? Um, ultimately, somebody could try to blame God for everything because you made this world, you knew this was going to happen and you didn't do anything to stop it, right? So there's a little bit of that there. But so God knew what, the Joseph, what was going to happen. It was part of God's plan to let it happen. And it happened and God brought good out of it. Later on in, this, uh, in the book, there's the famous line, after it, um, Jacob dies, his brothers are scared and they come back to him. And he says to them the famous line, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So they threw him in the pit for an evil purpose. God threw him in the pit for a good purpose. <laughs> and, um, and, and the evil is charged with, to their account, the good is charged to God's account. I came up with a little analogy to re- reconcile it. Yeah. And that God creates perfection. Man turns it to crap. And then God makes fertilizer. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Another good one is um, if you look at glass, glass, it, you know, should be a window should be, be able to see out. Well, a colored window is not as good as a clear window. But with colored windows, colored glass, you can make a beautiful, a beautiful picture. So God can take something that's marred and make it beautiful. Um, and this is a, a mystery of, of providence. When, when we get through bad times, this is kind of like what we talked about last week. When you get through bad times, sometimes you can see God's hand. Sometimes you can see what God was up to. Sometimes we still can't. Um, and and it'll, it'll wait to, and, and, and we'll need to ask God on the last day, what, what were you up to there? And God will have an answer for us. The Bible tells us he, he will. Uh, we, if, if we don't see it now. Uh, and these kinds of stories are here to tell us that even if you go through bad things, God's got a plan and a purpose that he's working out. Um, 
and, and our, our job like is to be like Joseph, to, to fear God and trust him. The good times, bad, no matter what happens to us. If he throws us into a pit for 20 years, maybe it's for our own good. Uh, <laughs> um, this kind of thing. Um, so we notice, though, that he mentions that it is God who made him. God has done this. And, and because of that, he feels he should forgive his brothers. Now, what does that, what can we learn from that? There's nothing that we shouldn't forgive. There's nothing that we shouldn't forgive. Absolutely. That's, and that is difficult. No matter what, we're used to hearing this. Jesus, after the Lord's Prayer, I think it's in Matthew, says, because if you do not forgive your brothers, then neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Uh, and this is, this is very hard. Um, the world doesn't get this completely. How should, you know, what is the response? You, you know, you, you enslaved our people. And the Christian response is, forgive them. <laughs> that, don't hold it against them anymore. You forgive them. And, and, and people like, that's, that's, uh, that's crazy. How can you do that? Because God forgave me. <laughs> that's, and, and um, God told us on the cross, he said, what was, it is finished. Um, forgive them for they, they know, know not what, what they, they do. Right. So he left us instructions there. That, that absolutely. You know, the, the very men who are, are taking his life, he's forgiving them. So th that, that, that is um, both a comfort and a challenge. It's a, it's a comfort because it tells us what God has done for us. Is repentance a prerequisite for forgiveness? No. Uh, I, w I don't know if I'd put, use the word prerequisite, but e yeah, you cannot, there, um, you cannot, um, Joseph's yeah. brothers here were talking in Hebrew back and forth and Basically repenting, they were saying all, all the bad things that they did to their brother. Mm -hmm. They didn't know that Joseph understood them. So I'm taking um, that as them repenting. Yes. And Joseph forgives them from that. Um, God, it's both ways. It, it's both a prerequisite and it isn't. Because think about God. God forgives us. All of us. Already. But he all, uh, without our repentance, mm -hmm. but he commands our repentance. Mm -hmm. But that's the difference between sin and sins. Yeah, or, or knowing you've sinned. It, it's or it's that you else, right? so so. Let me put it this way: um, think about the cross for a second. Forgiveness is 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 won for you on the cross. <coughs> it is offered to you through repentance and. And trust, repentance, and faith. Repentance there being acknowledging your sin, being sorry for, about it. Faith, trusting the promises. And, and that forgiveness then is now yours. There's, does that put the onus on you for your forgiveness? No, because you can't... Uh, the, Christ, unless you're taking the glory from Christ, no, he has done all things for you. Um, are you able to repent without God? No, no. God, God's the one who gives you repentance. He works it through the law. That's why we preach. But pre you can't change the gospel into a preaching of repentance. 
No, but we preach the law, and the law... Because how sorry do you have to be for your sins before you're going to be forgiven? Well, it it doesn't say... I mean, it doesn't say how... It it, it doesn't... Jesus says that, you know, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, so it's not about quantitative. All of that is done by Christ. He creates the faith through the Word. Sure. So it's not anything in you. But it, it doesn't. But repenting is not something. You, it, it's so you can't take the glory away from Christ. Re, re, Jesus Himself said in Luke twenty four verse forty four, "Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and die, and that repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all but nations." Don't change the gospel into the preaching of repentance. So the, it's the, freely given. It's, There's nothing you can do to earn it. But repentance. Repentance is not something you do. It is something that you... Um, it's something that's created in you through the Word. Through, yeah, through the preaching of the law. But you cannot... It's something you can do. It's right. You can't create it. Right. But listen to me for a second. Um, you will not receive the benefits of justification if you don't acknowledge your sin and are sorry for it. That is given to you through the law, through the preaching of the Word... And, and faith is given to you through the preaching of the gospel. All we are is the hands that receive the gift. Sure. The gift. But it is, it is not... Um, no strings attached. None at all. No strings. Um, yeah, so I, I, that, that's, um, I'm not contradicting that. I'm, what I'm telling you is that um, God himself has said that it's both... We both... We have to acknowledge our sins. And we can't acknowledge our sins without the help of God. God is the one who helps us acknowledge our sins, but we still have to do it. Um, you, um, but you cannot take the glory away from Christ. That, that is not taking the glory away from Christ. That is, that is, that is not. Otherwise, what you're saying is, um, I don't have to repent of my sins to be saved. And that is, um, and the Lutheran confessions and the Bible are clear that saving faith exists in repentance. You must acknowledge your, that you are a sinner and confess that to God to be saved. Period. End of story. That's not doing anything. Onus, then you put the onus on man. That's not, the onus is not on you because you can't do it without, you can't do it without God working in your heart. Repentance is an attitude, not an action. Right. Repentance is an attitude that you are given through the word. That's right. It's not an action. We often think of repentance as something that we have to do that penance. Penance, right? It's not. It's not penance. No, no, no. It's, it's repentance is a is a, a heartfelt. Yeah, through forgiveness, God gives us the ability to repent. Because if it was not for that forgiveness, we would be unable to repent. So the, yeah, there's there's different there's, man, we're in the weeds. Um, <laughs> so Jesus forgives us objectively. On the cross, Re- repentance is not required for that. You have to hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold. Yes, yes, the whole world is forgiven. No repentance is required for that. Okay, that is called objective justification. The whole world has been forgiven, but you need to receive that. We call it subjective justification. The, but there's the, nothing in you that causes that. No, so the, the, the forgiveness of sins, one on the cross, there's nothing in you that can do that. The forgiveness of sins that you receive is received 
by turning away from sin and turning towards God in faith. That cannot happen by your own power. It only happens through the word. That, is, that, that turning away from sin we call repentance. It's not something you do. It's a sorrow over sin, contrition, and turning to God in faith. Right? Are, 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 do we agree on that? that? So there's objective justification, subjective justification, and in between that is the work of the word in your heart to cause you to turn away from sin and to turn to God. Repentance and faith. So how do we get here? As long as we don't put the onus on ourselves. No. And when I say that you have to do it, I, what I'm trying to say is that it, it's not a let go and let God kind of thing. It is a, there is a sense in which you, have, you acknowledge your sin. But the only way you're able to acknowledge your sin is because God has enabled you to do it. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Um, you have to. So we call people to trust in God's promises. But wait, I can't trust. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in my Lord Jesus Christ or, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. Because God, through his word, has given you the ability to, to do it, you, through the ability that God has given to you, are able to do it. But only through his ability. So at the end of the day, you, we throw off our crowns and we put them at the bottom. God crowns us uh, on the last day. And then we take off the crowns and we give them back to him, saying, no, no, I, o- I only believed because it was from you. All of that to say, um, the, the answer to your question, um, Joseph, th- there's a sense, the, let's put this in the practical realm. Joseph needs to forgive them for his own sake, to put it in psychological terms. You know what I'm saying? But their relationship can only be reconciled if they show some remorse for this and and they do. And that, and the fact that they do is God working in their lives for the past 20 years. Right? So there's forgiveness is offered freely apart from their repentance, but the relationship can only be mended by them showing guilt. Otherwise they're not, they're not guilt. They're not sorry that they did this. They would do it again. And and no relationship can be fixed on based on that. Um, so that's taking that and bringing it into the practical realm. If somebody's hurt you, you forgive them for your sake of your own soul. <laughs> and because God freely forgave you. To, for the relationship to be mended, there has to be some repentance. Um, does that make sense? Uh, hopefully that... I'm, I'm going to throw my two cents for you. Please. Just mess it all up. We don't do works to be saved. We do works because we are saved. Right. We don't repent to be saved. We repent because we are saved. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a fair way of saying it. Yeah. That's a fair way of saying it. Um, good. We got into some deep weeds there. If, if any of that is confusing to you, I can provide books. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, uh, we confess that sometimes uh, the mystery of your salvation is hard for us to understand. But we do know, Lord, that um, um, we have sinned against you and, and, and you uh, freely have forgiven us for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. We ask, O oh Lord, to help us to have a repentant attitude, to see areas where we've wronged others to re- and to repent of them and to make amends with others uh, and also to... Freely forgive others as you have freely forgiven us. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at icloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.